Welcome to Hardy Party of Five and a Half podcast. We are so glad you're here today. We have a very cool guest today. Yes, we do. Like really warmed up to both of us. Yes. He's got all kinds of things happening in his life. We can't wait for you to hear about him. Here's some things he's done. He did hair and makeup for Mark Wahlberg, for Jared Leto, for Jake Gyllenhaal, Daniel Craig, Eminem, Emily <laughs> Blunt who am I missing? Ryan Gosling. I mean, come on. An incredible list. A what a lineup. And he was the head of hair and makeup for Dune, for Dune. which to me is the best movie of 2021. Yes. Just so many moving parts to that movie oh, with yeah. all the different groups of characters and stuff. You're going to learn all about it. I thought it was a fascinating conversation. I learned so much because it's just a step deeper for hair and makeup than yeah. I've ever done. And I've just never been privy to that. So. Well, what's cool about it is you got to talk hair and makeup with him, which yeah. I, some of it, I'm like, I don't know what they're talking about. <laughs> and then we transition into the movie where that's my thing. It's like, I'm the movie buff. And I was like, I don't know what they're talking about. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so we, we were able to work together to get this full just picture of yes. Donald. He yeah, was nominated was for an Oscar. The Oscars were yesterday and yeah. he agreed to talk to us today, this morning, this morning. So you are going to love this conversation <laughs> with Donald Mowat. I mean, incredible. Here we go. Donald Mowat, we thank you so much for being on Hardy Party of Five and a Half. I know you probably have 1000 other people who would like to be interviewing right now being nominated for an Oscar, but here you are with us hometown <laughs> folks in Burleson, Texas, and we can't thank you enough. Thank you for being thank here. You. My pleasure. Thank you. Yeah, thank you so also, much. Also, we're fellow hairdressers. I don't know yeah. if you know that. I'm, I'm 32 years behind the chair. Right. So I want to know from you, how did you get started in the business? Did you ever work behind the chair? Tell me. Well, just for the record, I'm a makeup artist. I'm not a hairdresser. Okay. okay. Um, so I'm a makeup artist, actually by profession and, and vocation. And I, I'm a, a designer in the sense that I... Um, more traditionally sort of UK style. I design hair, makeup and prosthetics in movies, but as an actual, what I do, what I started and trained to do in films is makeup. Always makeup. Uh, but on a film like Dune, I'll oversee it and then I'll bring on my crew of makeup mm -hmm. artists, hairstylists, different people. Uh, but I'm not a hairdresser, a hairstylist okay. at all. So you started doing makeup just in a, in a for weddings, for things like that? Or how did you? Yeah, I did everything because when I was going to school, like, you know, I was kind of a, a funny kid and eccentric and, and 
didn't really know what to do. And, and, you know, I think I was in a lot of drama clubs and like, you know, a lot of kids, I think you find things that you're, I wouldn't say I was a nerdy kid because then I'd be doing computers. And I think if you're slightly creative or a little bit um, um, that way, uh, creatively, you got to find something to do and it wasn't going to be shop. And it sure as hell wasn't sports. So I ended up a lot of drama stuff and I did, I kind of like costume design and a lot actually. And I was fascinated by it. So I started watching movies and I used to look at the credits and I'll tell you what really drew me to it, which is a strange thing to say. I noticed that all the, when it said makeup artists, it was always men's names. Mm-hmm. And that fascinated me. Women was always hair. Interesting. But men were always makeup artists and they were always the big opening credit of the film back then. Not anymore. And that made me kind of go. So when I was doing school plays and things and I was starting to, they were like, Don, you actually kind of are good at that. Then I was like, but I could be doing this because I see all these men's names yeah. and they're men who some of them are still alive, but would be, you know, Dick Smith and, and all kinds of people like, uh, you know, the Westmores and Tuttle and, and Ben Nye and, and all kinds of, and I thought I can do that. So that's what kind of made me start researching it. Yeah. And so then how did you get your break into, did you go theater? Yeah. Mostly theater. And then like you mentioned before weddings, then you got to make a living because I kept dropping out of college and I was doing art history and, and yeah. uh, more fine arts. Cause I thought that's what you had to do. Cause no one ever taught me that you really need to, but you do actually need some, educational background in cinema and film mm-hmm. so i i took a course in in production 101 film and tv which was actually really good because you learn about lighting and camera which for makeup not so much in hair but in makeup you need right and that's where i met a lot of people who were like come do the makeup for the portfolios and come do this and and that led me into it where i started getting called for smaller films and you don't need an esthetician license for that right you're never you're never uh, yeah you're never no. doing facials or anything like that you're all beauty and stage well it's mostly character but i think a lot of people think of makeup as being estheticians and i mean it is i mean everybody's got their thing that they do and it's great but it's very different i mean i think doing skincare and working in a salon is really different mm-hmm. uh, and it's 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 um everyone contributes in their own way to a different part of sort of beauty or whatever fashion beauty. I think it's like people who do um, like in movies, I always say I would never get a haircut from somebody in the movies ever. And most actors don't. Most actors yeah. go to their own colorists, their own right. hairstylists for really great haircutting and stuff. Not to say movie people don't, but the best haircutters and the best colors are not in the movie business because yeah. it's not the environment for it. Mm-hmm. It's like fashion makeup. If you're going to do Lady Gaga, well, I don't want to say name, you know, name names, but like, I don't know, Beyonce, Lady Gaga, um, you know, Rihanna, their makeup artists are not from the film business. Right. Mm, Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it's great what they do, but we all contribute in one way or another. Yeah, that's interesting. I always tell people that apprentice center me that you have to, to be a good stylist, you have to work on both sides of your brain. You have to understand the logistical side of a a geometrical haircut, you know, a 360 version of that. And then you have to be able to style the hair, which is the art side, which is the other side of your brain. So you've got to be able to merge those together. Mm -hmm. And it sounds Mm -hmm. like that's what you're talking about when you're on set doing stuff. It's probably a little more um, well, I think that too, but also moreover, and I think your point's really interesting. I think a lot of stuff with hair, particularly with haircuts, when people 
kind of make the transition from that world of great haircutting, like Sassoon or, you know, Moulton Brown, really like great haircutting that came from England, from the UK, mm-hmm. um, which were known to be like the great haircutters of the time. And they did things like Mia Farrow and Rosemary's Baby and Liza Minnelli, stuff like that. But a lot of those haircuts don't work in movies mm-hmm. because they're so, it's like the way suits fit on men. If you notice, like you look at the red carpet, you can't wear that as a guy, like a normal guy. If you've got a beer belly and you got funny legs, you can't <laughs> wear that. Yeah. You can't wear most of those dresses because most yeah. people don't look like that. And half the guys, by the way, got the pants h- hiked up. Like, you know, what do we used to call them as kids? Like, like floods. I mean, they're, High waiter, high water, high water. And socks. And you go, what, what is that? And <laughs> it's to sell an image and it's to yeah. photograph. It's not to be seen like sitting at somebody's wedding where you can see their knees when they're sitting down. <laughs> All right. For sure. Okay. So this has to be backbreaking work. So tell me how you balance your life. I know for me, I have to figure out a balance of standing behind the chair. And it's, it is when you're working with the public and you're working with, I'm sure, actors and actresses. What's your balance? Do you take good vacations? No. You you just. (laughs) I wish. (laughs) I wish I had. I really wished I had over the years. Um, It it probably hurt me a lot. Um, I'm starting to. uh, But I think, you know what it's like. I mean, I think when you run your business, because that's what it is. You're running your own business. And it's sink or swim. You guys know that. It's sink or swim. Nobody's paying me to vacation. Well, yeah, you're afraid not to take the next job because mm-hmm. you don't know what's coming. So. Well, I think people say that to me. And I, I've just had a really interesting experience where I just finished a, a film in Spain last, actually like three days ago, well, a week ago. And I, I was telling a couple of the kids working with me, I really try to use younger, higher, younger crews now um, and train people. And so sometimes I work harder at training newer people then work with people who are very experienced because I'm not helping the industry. I mean, there are a lot of great people my age or older who I I used to work with all the time, but I realized we're not helping if we just hire each other and we're all like this level and that's great, but we're not training anybody and we're all getting older. So, but the downside is I did notice a difference a couple of weeks ago, I looked at a couple of the kids and I call them kids and anybody to me under 30 is a kid. And, and <laughs> yeah. you know, I looked at a couple of them and I really lost my cool one day. And I said, like, guys, like, are you kidding? Like, you're tired? Like, you don't feel good? Like, we didn't have that. We went to work with the worst, like, a pe- I mean, people went to work sick. I remember having some, like, tonsil thing where... I couldn't even speak. I couldn't talk. My tonsils were so I couldn't swallow until I finally had to go to the hospital, get them cut out. Um, I think we're now the life balance I'm all for. Mm-hmm. But when, when I was coming up, there was no balance. It was right. this, somebody had to die for you to say, I'm not coming in. Yes. Mm. The idea of I'm going to headache. You're like, yeah take a couple of Advil and get back to work. That's exactly right. <laughs> That's exactly right. But, but, you know, I mean, having said that, I don't know. I mean, maybe I should have had more balance because I, I, I know I've hurt my health and over the years, but um, I'm not going to let up on it. I'm taking more time now than I used to. And there are days I say to people, I'm not, I can't, mm-hmm. like I can't do it. And, uh, but, I, and I know people say, but it's can't, your career can't be everything. 
But then if you don't get the opportunity, like you're going to get a phone call, party of 10, or can you take these people? Can you do this? But then you can't complain. If you want to go to the beach and soak in the sun for two weeks, great. Go to Greece. Great. But don't be upset you didn't, you missed that opportunity. That's right. Yeah, Yeah, that's true. Mm. I totally feel that in 32 years, I have moved my clients three times because of me being sick and I'm the same, but this year I've decided this is the year of better balance for me. So I told you, you've earned it. Mm-hmm. Now yes. you've earned it. Yes. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. And so I do a lot of wedding hair as we discussed, and I know how I build a style from the base up. And I look at a style, somebody shows me and I just deconstruct it and go, this is where we need to start. Do you do the same with makeup or with a full on design? Do you have to like go down to the basics? Here's how we build it out. Mm-hmm. Is that what you do? Sometimes I go, yeah. Sometimes we go, too much we go too far like i i'm really careful i don't really believe you can have costume makeup and hair all working in one thing okay because when i start to look at it it's too much it's too many elements so i think you can have the hair and the costume you can have the hair and the makeup you can have the makeup and the but you can't have all three i've got this obsession about it because the minute i look at all the elements and they don't come together as one Cause I don't want to go, Oh, great hair. What's up with the makeup or great costume, but what's happened here. And I think that that's in film. The, for me in film, the makeup and hair should be invisible. Mm. I shouldn't be looking going, Oh, look at that. And, yeah. and I mean, unless it's about hair or makeup. Right. And very few films are. Yeah. But I usually try to go over, like I'll start where the character I'll go bigger and I'll choose a character and say, let's try this and we'll do it. And then even the director will say, but I don't know about that. And, and then you'll bring it down or you'll put like a darker lip or something. It's like, I, I also don't do things like lips and eyes. And when I see it on people, I kind of go, wow, it's too much. It's like a Christmas tree. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And the only analogy I can think of is a Christmas tree because you know, when you do, well, if you put a tree up, not everyone does, I do. And when I look at a Christmas tree and there's that one thing, you look at that tree and go, that's too much. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> and that's how I am. And some people love it all. Right. I don't like a thing on the top of the tree. Uh-huh. I like just a light. Yeah. So that's yeah. kind of how I like the form. Okay. So if somebody's got a great simple hair or makeup or whatever, but there's like something. And I also find uh, this particular with hair, you'll appreciate this. A lot of hairstylists will say to me, yeah, I'm great at natural hair. And whenever they say that, I kind of don't believe them because (laughs) the real trick is, but are you okay if the actor or actress say, I'm going to say Emily Blunt. If we're shooting and she's an FBI agent, she's like a drug enforcement officer and we're shooting her and she's sort of sweaty and whatever. And I want her to just look like she just took her hair and just did that with it. Mm-hmm. and put it up are you okay with that and they kind of go yeah but i want it just and i went no 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 no. yeah in film as a hair set you have to be okay unless it looks like something's really weird why is it not okay why can't it have a piece of hair sticking out right and i think that's how i feel when i design a character is mm-hmm. it can't look making things look like nobody did their hair and makeup is the hardest thing mm, yeah world interesting it's i can't even tell you it's like making somebody look like they don't have any makeup on is a lot harder 
Yeah. That's so fascinating. Yeah. I can imagine that's terribly hard because you're right. I mean, I stand next to photo shoots with brides and I'm like, everybody stop the press. I need to fix this hair. There's one piece you know? of hair. Yeah. But that's different. Obviously. But yeah, but within a story, you want it to fit into, you the, want story, it to fit into the story. So, yeah. yeah. So also in a photograph, to be fair, like especially bridal stuff, what's interesting about that is it's editorial in its own way, but also that's for somebody's memory. Right. Mm, yeah. Their life. That's right. And I think that is different because that's when you're going, oh, that's the, like, that's this, that's the pimple, that's the cold exactly. sore. It's always a cold sore at somebody's wedding. Yes. Uh, and or, in years, I don't want them to say, Rebecca, why didn't you fix this hair? <laughs> yeah. yeah. And I think that's it. I mean, and on the high, you know, like higher budget fashion stuff or magazines, they Photoshop everything. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. you know, I think that you're, you're right. And I think depending on what you're working on, there's things that have to be perfect. Mm-hmm. The perfect lip, like you said, the hair, if you see like a pin sticking out, like that's not good, especially right. when someone's paying for their wedding photographs. All right. <laughs> they've gone to, you know, it, you know, when you see that, it's like seeing a collar is wrong or something, but right. yeah. Yeah. So major differences between doing men and women makeup. It's harder. I think doing the men's harder. Yeah. Cause you really have to make it invisible there. Invisible, but also the men are like, they don't want it. There's like most, most of the guys are like, I don't want it. I don't need it. Yeah. They're embarrassed by it. Most men are embarrassed to have, you know, really I mean, guys will get their hair cut and their hat. They're most of them. Um, but you know, most men are embarrassed about all that stuff. Even in the world, like when we were kids, remember you got your hair cut and you got hit over the head. Mm-hmm. If you always oh, a beanie or whatever, you know, haircutting from, I guess you have to get your hair cut as a man because you just have to, either your mother, your sister, your wife, your, anybody's going to, going to say, you got to get your hair cut. You got to look good for your job interview. It's a part, but makeup, putting makeup on a man, he's always going to be like, I don't need it. Right. And even the most macho guys in Hollywood, but yeah. most guys will trust you if they kind of look at your resume and go, Oh my God, he's done. And they, then they're okay. Yeah. Um, but the makeup has to be perfect. Yeah. It has to be invisible. And you do have and guys that really trust you. It seems like that specifically want you. Yeah. I think they get used to me and, and they listen to me and I'm also very bossy and I tell them what to do. <laughs> and, and, you know, like, I think that's a very, it's a, I'm really flattered by that. But I do think so. And I think with the girls and it's, it's nice to work with the ladies. I think I think they know more about makeup and hair because they're dealing with it more often. And um, so I think that there, there's um, a comfort level. They also can do a lot of their own stuff. Right. If you're in a rush or you're on a job where they're like, come on, we got to get moving. I mean, you can ask one of your ladies, hey, can you finish that for me? They're not going to be upset. Sunscreen, you want to put it on while I finish here, you know, get the mascara, you know. Right. Yeah. It's easier, but it's harder. I will say this with the women, with the actresses, really, the pressure to look good Mm -hmm. for the hairstylist and the makeup artist is very tough. Yeah. I mean, you can do award-winning, award-nominated work with prosthetics and special makeup, but actually people forget the pressure from the studio, from the public to make like a leading lady look good. Mm-hmm. And I don't agree with it. And it's sexist and it's wrong and it's not fair. 
And somebody mm-hmm. said recently why they can have gray hair, but the men, I don't know, was it not Jennifer Garner? Somebody like that. And I was like, yeah, you're absolutely right. But I didn't make the rules. Right. It's not, I didn't make that up. Um, George Clooney can have gray hair, but she can't. Well, I don't know. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's very difficult. So the pressure when you see like a close up of a woman and a close up of a man and women have shorter careers in Hollywood than men, that's always been the case. Interesting. Hmm. And so, yeah, the pressure of, of that and the hair and, you know, having these hair pieces to look fuller, like the men lose their hair and you're still on TV. Nobody's, right, you, yeah. but women start having like less, you know, more sparse hair and needing hair pieces and wigs and, mm-hmm. and yeah, it's not fair. Right. That's true. That's so true. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. Um, now I want to get into like what I consider the best movie of 2021, which was Dune and you were the lead makeup. Yes. <laughs> I just, I've watched it three or four times and I just love it. Um, I want to get to talking into that process. And mm-hmm. one of the first things is, You've worked with this director now, maybe three or four times now, I think you worked with Denise. Um, What is it like in that creative process with him? Like, how did it start out? And do you have more of a shorthand with him now, now that you've worked with him so much? Well, I think we do because I started with him. um, I worked my first, I met him in 2012. Uh, We did a film together. We prepped in Atlanta, um, uh, Prisoners. Mm-hmm. Huge back. That was a, a really great, a very difficult film. Um, really difficult for me. Well, for everybody, it was intense drama, like kidnapping of these two girls. It was very timely. We had a lot, a lot of makeup and hair in that movie, a lot. And it was drama. It was intense. So I feel like after I got to know him and he got to know me and we worked really, really well together and he trusted me and I, the actors were incredible. Um, I was recommended to Denis by a very good friend of mine, a cinematographer who's, I mean, if you could say he's the best in the world, but let's say he is, he is it's Roger Deakins, Sir Roger Deakins um, <laughs> had recommended me to Denis and said, you should check him out. And we did really well together. And um, so he's always asked me to, to, you know, kind of design the looks. And then I started to, I was just working on the makeup and makeup effects for him. And then, I think on Blade Runner 2049, I think we realized that maybe I should really look after the hair as well because the he he really wants somebody who he feels can oversee and look at it all. Mm-hmm. Sometimes you have too many eyes, too many people. Right. And and I think that was probably the movie I should have been involved more on the hair. A couple mm-hmm. things got away from us. Not to take away, but yeah, I think I, I realized on that film I, I should be doing that. Yeah. You and lose then, that cohesiveness when you, yeah. I think, I think so. And I think it made me very, very, um, I was very stressed by it and it was not, it wasn't the happiest time for me with a crew. It really affected my health. Um, you know, well, you know, I mean, running again, you're running a business with people. It's hard. Like, and I think in the world of hair and makeup, I don't think we're the easiest people. Yeah. Personality wise. I mean, there is something different. I don't know if it's, it's a, people say it's artistic. It's not only that. I think that there's a certain ego that come with people who do what we do. Yeah. You don't see it in, in other departments. Mm-hmm. You really don't. Right. Um, but anyway, back to, to that, I think Denise, I really, I understand that I should turn that off. I'm sorry. 
I think that with, with Denis, it's less is more. It's always based in reality. And I kind of, I work that way. Mm, yeah, that, those two, it sounds like that merges together because like you've been talking about, you don't want it to, you don't want your looks to overshadow the story. Mm-hmm. And even in a big sci-fi movie, you still want the story to be told without the distraction of, oh, look at that guy or, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. So how do you, there's, Within Dune, there's very specific groups within that story. So yeah. how do you start the process of, like, I know you use, probably use vision boards and all that, and you have to get with other the other departments. How do you, how does that process work to, like, look at a group like Atreides? How do you take the Atreides group and say, this is going to be their look as opposed to other groups? Yeah. I think with the, so uh, Patrice uh, Vermette, who's our production designer, He's really our, um, he and Denis and the storyboard artists, they work together months before we even turn up. Yeah. Costume before I turn up. Then the next one to, to start would be uh, costume because of the time it takes to build. And yeah. then I turn, I'm pretty much the last one to turn up uh, because really without the actors, I don't have a lot to start working with. Uh, Patrice starts a, a kind of a book, like a Bible, mood boards, of what they're doing. And then what I do is kind of counter what they're doing. And I have to then take what they've worked on. So architecturally they do, they send me everything they're working on. So I look at all the sets and I get the feel of what they're working on. Then I start to see some ideas of clothes and costumes that Jackie is working on. And then I'll start to kind of go, what world are we in? And for instance, for the Atreides, they were looking a little bit back. I mean, it's a futuristic film, but it's not. I mean, it's kind of neutral. It's a little bit period. We borrow yeah, retro in there too. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, Jackie looked, I mean, she had said the Romanovs, Russians. I felt that a lot, especially with things like Oscar Isaac, because I didn't see him initially with a beard, to be honest. I thought he would be clean. I did. But then when Josh, I think what happens on a film is when, each actor starts to come into the picture and when their schedule is set, I kind of start to put them all up. I have, you know, like everyone, you get a wall in your office. And I had, I knew it was a big film because they gave me two offices. <laughs> wow. I'm big cheeks on this one. Yeah. Two big offices with assistants and people like who were cutting things out when I'd say, can we put that up? And boom, there were two <laughs> ladies cutting pictures out for me. And I was like, wow. Um, <laughs> I always do it all by myself. Yeah. I really do. And here I am, you know, at my age now having people do things for me. So mm-hmm. I've got this massive, you know, wall. And then I would go up to Denis on the third floor. A couple times a week, we have a meeting. So I go up with all my things and we kind of cross check. Mm-hmm. And then we start Photoshop. So for instance, he tells me Oscar Isaac's going to grow a beard. So that was his beard? That was his beard. An amazing beard. Oh, my God. Ah, well, but there's a story behind that beard. Yeah. It's not entirely his beard when the first time you see him in the film. Yeah. Because what happened was he's got in New York, he's got his own sort of salon hair guy who I guess does his hair for him and colors it and blah, 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 which, you know, again, doesn't always work for what we're doing we have our own team who are going to, you know, do makeup and hairstyling and I want him aged. Mm-hmm. And so Oscar agreed. We would age his eyes a little bit. We, we 
keep his gray. We'd add to it actually, but I wanted his beard shaped a little bit more statuesque, more like Greco-Roman, but you know, you have to match it. And you also have a long, like how many days he's going to work. And we established Oscar in the desert of Jordan with a stunt performer because he wasn't available to us, but cut back to the opening of the film. And I'll get in trouble for saying this, but <laughs> that was a new scene added in the film. That was part of what we shot in the film. So a year after we wrapped, we get into the pandemic and I get a phone call saying we're going to do this new scene because they'd cut the film and they realized we're going to delay opening. And Denis wanted the scene. He wanted something else. They were missing that whole opening, you know, where he comes from the Herald of the Change. Yeah. You know, the opening and he reads that. That's a brand new scene. Oh, wow. okay. Huh. And that was shot in the pandemic. Yeah. So they brought everybody back, including Oscar. But that beard was about oh. that long. And his hair was much shorter. So he's in a full wig oh, and beard extensions. Okay. Which if you never look closely. Hmm. How do you attach beard extensions? Oh, my God. You have to. <laughs> Double-sided tape. You have okay. to, they look, I mean, they do look like eyelash, big eyelashes, but you have okay. to make them. It's a lot of work because you have to get your tail comb in and lift and find that little space of skin underneath. Oh, wow. And it's like hair extensions, basically. Yeah. But yeah, it took tape ends, but on your skin. Yeah, and it's not easy. And you got to cluster them. And it always looks a bit wonky. And <laughs> facial hair is actually much harder than people know to recreate. And then the wig was beautifully made, but there was something about it here. I mean, that was a twelve, thirteen thousand dollar wig. Oh my gosh! And we cut the whole crown off it, and we just used uh, the rest of it as a three quarter wig, and used his own hair, which was quite oh, long. Yeah. So a three quarter, and and kind of like a comb over. Yeah. That was all, you know. So that's kind of what was really difficult. Um, what happens on a movie like that is once you establish that Josh Brolin's going to have that really short hair and a goatee, you can sort of then establish what you're doing with everybody else. Right. And Rebecca, then what you're doing with the other guys and the girls. And, and I think everything falls into place. Mm-hmm. You know, that's amazing. Like if you hadn't told me that it's a tribute to you because I would have had no idea that there was beard extensions and. Well, that's the point. Well, yeah, that's the point. That's what <laughs> it is. you're going to watch and go, God, they really screwed it up. <laughs> I am going to go, go really close now. Yeah. yeah. You're going to see it now. I promise you. You'll really <laughs> I don't know if I will. You might see I, it. But... I might see it. Yeah. You're going to see it. I promise you. Now you look and go, Oh my God, he's right. But that was really tough. And it was really, really difficult, but we did yeah. it. And yeah. it was a three day sequence. And uh, but we couldn't have shot that without it. We could not have shot it because it was a year later and it didn't match what he had in the film, which was a mm-hmm. big, beautiful beard. I mean, it was really, yeah. 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 So like with the Fremen, how, how did y'all go? What was the thought on the Fremen in the desert? So how was that makeup? Because it's totally different than the other two groups we're talking about. Uh, like Dusty and. Yeah, they were all not like, weathered and we tested a bunch of people like weathered a lot of like fremen like shout out mates you know we gave her like tribal tattooing a lot of them had aged skin dusty dry uh we aged a lot of them like zendaya is she's a fremen 
she's in a completely no makeup sea salt. All we put in her hair was sea salt. I mean, that's it. Really? Sea salt spray braided. You see her with the braid and then her hair loose, which then I didn't love because I thought nobody wears your hair loose in the desert. You just don't. Mm-hmm. And you kind of figure out things on your own going, no one in the desert, whether it's hot or cold, you don't wear your hair loose because of the dust. Mm. It's, it's too, it didn't make sense to me. So that's, and I, then they wanted to costume, wanted to put that sort of veil, but that, that looks too fashiony. It has to look like it's tied around your head. Yeah. For a so, purpose. Yeah, serving a purpose in the desert. Gotta serve a purpose. Right. So I felt like we learned a lot, but sea salt spray. I mean, we were using different, like so many companies do it, but I found like that was the best thing to spray. And we were putting dust in people's hair, like powder dust, um, just to make it look like, because when you're in the desert, your hair doesn't get sweaty the way people think it does. It gets dry and kind of limp uh-huh. uh, because it's so hot. Yeah. And then it's also really cold, but it's not what people think. Right. It's not like Hawaii, hot, humid. Right. So there's, you figure out how to do it. And Timmy's hair looked better. The dustier it got, the more wind blown it got. I would just stand him in front of the special effects fans. You can't match that. Mm-hmm. You can't do that in the makeup and hair trailer. You got to basically put him in front of the fans, blow all the stuff around, and then kind of like, and he has to do a lot of it. He's kind of got to like, make it feel like a little bit less football, you know, yeah. helmety and make it feel like it's had, you know, when you touch your hair and it's got so much dust in it and it's, that's how you are. And we felt the same way. Yeah. Did he wash that out every night and no. you had to start over? Okay. I would no, be like, they no. probably the best. Yeah, we got, I mean, cause it was really harder on textured hair, like uh, Sharon Duncan Brewster, who's got sister locks, which we had done actually in London. Um, because people who have textured hair and very tight, like cornrows or braids, uh, textured hair, anybody with textured hair, uh, Babs, who plays Jamis, uh, we had to get like a, a high pressure sort of, uh, uh, like what they use for those big industrial balloons and stuff to blast it out of their hair because you can't oh, yeah. get that out. Yeah. Wow. That's crazy. <laughs> That is it's crazy. Hard to believe. Yeah. So with the Harkonnens, what's totally different than like the original movie in 84 is what I go back to is they had the bright red hair. And so what was the thought process to make them like totally opposite of what we'd seen before with that, with that character base? Well, I think what we'd seen before, we just didn't do, we just didn't want to do. I, I mean, no. it's what my call Denis was making his film and I was there to help him make his film. A yeah. lot of people ask me that about, about the films because people say, oh, did you read the book? No. I mean, the whole thing was if I read the book, I mean, of course, I, I looked it over again. I looked at the film for a minute, but then I stopped because there's no purpose in looking at something because you will end up getting ideas from it you don't want. This, we're yeah. making our world of a film for today. Yeah. yeah film that takes place tomorrow mm-hmm. and uh, so what we did with the Harkonnen he started to like the idea of it being pale that there's something about them that's either alopecia or based in that and everything and it's always based in something so he liked the idea of that and then we played with that a little bit so that came first with Stalin with uh, my initial concept for Stalin 
in the fat makeup, which, you know, again, was not like a hashtag fat shame. It's nothing like it was nothing about that that was, you know, going to be like making fun of or offending or doing anything about overweight. Mm -hmm. It was about the stature and size of a man. And I really wanted it to look serious and powerful. And so that was the point because if we had done them all with the sores and all that stuff, yeah, it could be a little bit like, and I mean, Mike Myers and the, you know, the fat bastard thing and yeah, great. More cartoony. Yeah. And there was a brilliant makeup they did on those movies and Michelle Burke and and the brilliant makeup uh, designers, Michelle Burke and Mike Smith, amazing work, but that was a comedy. Yeah. Right. Right. And he had, you know, it was funny and, we didn't want that. We want him to be terrifying like Marlon Brando. And so once we knew what he would be, and at first he was going to have hair and we talked about the red hair for a minute and it just felt like, it's, it's a bad idea. Yeah. Sometimes it's a bad idea. So that's gone. 86 that. And then we're going bald. We're going pale. There's no eyebrows. We really embrace that idea that this is a condition. Yeah. They would all have it. And that would go into Dave Batista. And that was like one of my, I had so much fun with that makeup on Dave. And, and so all the Harkonnen would have that. Mm-hmm. The okay. same kind of coloring. And that was it. Yeah. So you're talking about the Baron and the fat suit and all that. How tell, Share with us that whole process of, didn't it, it took like 16 weeks, right? To develop this whole look. Yeah, we were very lucky because, um, again, the studio were very, they weren't sure at all. They were really nervous. And the studio, and then Denis and I had a meeting and I told him, I think we can do this practically. But I knew he trusted me and I had a, sort of a giant kind of, I don't know. I felt my heart like in my throat and I thought, Oh my God. And I, but I kept thinking about it and I had a meeting with him here over in Santa Monica just after Christmas. And I remember thinking, I think we can do this and I know who we can work with and I know this is what we try. And he said, look, let's think of it as an experiment, but Stellan really only wanted to do the part if it was going to be a practical makeup. Yeah. Um, a lot of people thought it would be a digital makeup or it would be a combination of visual effects with makeup. And we wanted it to be in camera, meaning like a totally practical makeup, which is very expensive. It's very time consuming, needs a lot of labor. And we figured it out. I called my friends who worked with me before. Uh, I worked with Stellan briefly on the girl with the dragon tattoo in Sweden with my friends, Lube Larsson and Eva Bombar and their great makeup, uh, prosthetics makeup team. And I called them and I said, look, do you guys want to come and do this with me? It's huge. But I sold them on the idea that it wasn't that big. <laughs> I, I just told them and they, they went along with it. They wanted to do it, but it was terrifying for us all. And they rose to the challenge. But it was 16 weeks because we needed five sculptors. That is one big suit. That's a full sculpture. Because you right? started out as a clay sculpture, right? Yeah, so he had to be life cast. So Stalin went in for full life casting. Oh, wow. That would only have been a couple of days. He did it in one day standing, basically. So you're standing in a full life cast. That is a living sculpture. Then 
And if you look at people want to look at like Stan Winston's school online, you can see all the pictures of that. I mean, you're basically standing there like starkers, you know, like with one thing covering and you're completely life cast and uh, like from top to bottom. And then this enormous life cast is made and molds are made. It needed a crane to move it. And we brought additional sculptors in from Spain, friends of, of our, well, Blue Bay and Ava's and, five people to sculpt it. Uh, we did a progress report once a week and then uh, a test on FaceTime for Denis to approve, and he did. And then a month before filming, we did a camera test in Budapest um, for everyone to see it. And people were astounded. Oh, wow. yeah. They were astounded when they saw it, and it was kind of remarkable. We had some tweaks to make, but a couple of issues engineering-wise. I mean... These guys, it was an amazing build, but there were some engineering problems. Like the suit's buoyant. We yeah. didn't going in the bathtub was a big problem. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it so that required putting some holes in the suit to bring it down. Mm-hmm. Uh, the release, it's silicone and foam. The outer suit is foam. The face is all silicone. The head is silicone. Um, yeah, you get hot underneath. It's a cooling suit. There's a guy behind him. Always, whenever you see Stellan, there's a guy behind him called Oscar who's got a, a pack, a cooling pack, and it, it puts cold through him in a cooling suit wow. that runs cold water down his body. That's crazy. Wasn't there something with the adhesive too that the when liquid... You, when he submerged into the... the liquid, yeah. That, yeah. yeah the bath was originally going to be spice. That was what we talked about. Uh, then they changed their minds and the special effects department called me and said... When they called to say, Patrice, the designer said, how big is he? How wide is he? And I thought, why? And they said, because we're building a bathtub. <laughs> <laughs> so then we had to do that. And then we had to get everybody in for a six and seven. They worked seven days straight to then alter. And then we had to put a stunt guy in to bring him under the water. They had to actually submerge him, make sure it was safe for Stellan, who's, you know, he's yeah. 70 years old. Yeah. 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 You know, to make sure it was safe to put him under the water. He had to be pulled down and held because the suit would come up. That's right. 22 pounds. Wow. Um, and then we had other, you know, so there was a lot of different things going on, you know. Wow. And it, let me tell you, it's incredible. <laughs> like, it's mm-hmm. it's just amazing because, like you talked about, it's just the subtlety of your work. It just fits into the story and you're not thinking, Oh, this is makeup. You're just thinking this is this huge dude. Mm -hmm. Like it's not like you talked about more with the comedy. It was, you know, you're, you're going crazy with it. But with this, it was just like another person in the story. Yeah. And it was just amazing. I Mm -hmm. thought it was (laughs) really genius, really. (laughs) So um, what we like to do is like, we like to share names with our guests and kind of just, on a personal note, know how that person impacted your life or Mm -hmm. just something you remember about that person. So the first person is Shirley Douglas. What does she mean to you? Oh my God. I mean, Oh, I mean, she was the greatest. I mean, there's nobody like her. There will never be anybody like her. Um, Shirley Douglas, everybody who knows anything or interested in this business, especially in the hair and makeup world should read about her. She was my very best friend in the whole world. Mm-hmm. Um, she was um, the first, she was in the very first color television production in the United Kingdom in 1952. She's the mother of Kiefer Sutherland. 
twin sister Rachel. Yeah. Um, she was a real fighter and defender of, you know, in the real hashtag movement of Time's Up, Me Too. She was the real deal. None of this synthetic stuff. <laughs> she started the breakfast program in Los Angeles with a no number of other women. Um, she worked very hard for women and women's rights at a time that no one, especially women, you know, a lot of women didn't do it, especially people who were working in the industry. So she had her own kids and, but she helped other people who were not very fortunate. And, you know, she was doing a lot in LA at the time she was deported, you know, back to Canada um, for her involvement with, with certain groups. Mm -hmm. um, she was an activist. She did a lot of great things for people reproductive rights for women, things like that. She was a very, you know what, whether you liked her politics or not, what was great about her is you could agree to disagree with her. She was a remarkable woman and she gave everybody, what I loved about her is she treated everyone with respect. It didn't matter like when she turned, you know, before she kind of became a little disabled and having some dementia and stuff, um, she was having an 80th birthday. Kiefer said, oh, I want to have an 80th birthday party for my mother. And it was something like, oh, this will only be for 20 or 30 people. I mean, she invited the FedEx guy. <laughs> <laughs> this is a woman who, you know, she was so warm and remarkably, and she made you believe you were much better than you were. So a lot of the things about me and my life that I did, I wouldn't have done without her because she made me think and believe I was better than I was. Mm. Yeah, she really did when I, I don't know, I would try to do something or she really, so she gave everybody, whether you did her hair, like people who did her hair, who would remember her and go, oh my God, Shirley did this for me. If you asked her for a reference letter, if you asked her for money, she was one of those people. She would, I don't know, she just delivered, she would turn up, but I always remember that about her. Wow. Uh, and I guess I know I'm taking a lot of time telling the story. My That's best Shirley right. Douglas story with all her people, well, privilege, I guess. Yeah, I guess. Yes, that's true. Um, but what I always remember was driving down a street with her and I was driving and she was so funny. because She always told you how to drive. Um, <laughs> it was a woman. She had a, she was blind. She had the thing, you know, uh -huh. And we saw it and the woman was waiting at a traffic light and she couldn't get across the street. Mm. And we pulled over and Shirley got out of the car and crossed the street with her. Wow. I've wow. never in my life seen anybody who would do something like that. Mm -hmm. And the other night her name came up because somebody said to me, oh, that woman was really speaking badly about someone. And I said, well, if Shirley Douglas was here, this was her, what she would say. If you like somebody, and they're your friend, you call them up and say, you know what? Everyone's saying you're kind of an ass. Mm -hmm. Everybody's saying you're, and you will save them, their career, their whatever they're doing wrong. And I think we need more Shirley's around yeah. like her because be she will you up, you know? Yeah. yeah, I love that. Okay, what about Daniel Craig? Well, I have, this came, I got a couple of these the last few weeks. I'm sorry, it's all blurred. That's okay. <laughs> um, lots of love, Daniel Craig, and lots of love, Daniel. I've got a couple of these around here. Um, he's just the nicest. There's something about him, too, that's, 
in the world of a Shirley Douglas, because there's a lot of privilege, a lot of wealth, a lot of great things, but it's because of where he comes from. It's the way he's raised, you know, and his parents and his mother teaches art, well, did teach art in Liverpool. I, there's something about him that's, um, he's so polite. He's, I don't know, one of the only actors that's ever made me a cup of coffee in the trailer. Um, <laughs> let's make a mess. He puts things away properly. He's not, he doesn't put his feet up on the makeup tape. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, it's really, uh-huh. he's, a, um, he's a very kind person. Uh-huh. And I, I wasn't able to do the last bond with him. And I called him up and said, I'm, I'm sorry, I can't do it. And I've made five or six films with him. But upon the success of, for me with June, I mean, he's one of the first people and sent me a beautiful bottle of champagne. And I saw Barbara Broccoli last night. I just, he's a, just a, a really, whether I work on a film with him or not, and he had got his star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame and he invited me. And, uh, you know, he's a, a great, great, He's really a great guy. He's so much more than what people see, mm-hmm. I think. And he's funny. Yeah. There's a difference between people that think about doing nice things, like thinking about, I should pull over and maybe help this lady. And then the person that actually does it, the person that actually sends you the card, um, yeah. the person that actually thinks to send you the champagne. You, you can think that's, nice thoughts, but that's a different. Yeah. But also that you do it. I mean, he's thoughtful. I mean, my dad died and. October, his father, we have, we share a lot of similarities, but he did call like, um, you know, right away. Mm-hmm. A lot of people don't people. It's not right. that they don't want to, they don't have the capacity. Yeah. And the more wealthy and famous people get the further removed they are. And they have people that keep them away from other people. But Daniel, I mean, he heard, I didn't tell him somebody else told him and he got in touch with me right away. And I, I appreciate that because it's, you know, it's tough some, you know, and, and he's always been very good to me. Yeah, that's, that's awesome. Great. Yeah. So the last name is Denis Villeneuve, who is the director of Dune. What does he What does he mean to you? Well, you know what he instills. Um, he inspires creativity, and I very rarely disagree with him. He's I love him. I really do because he's someone. You know. I've been around 36, 37 years, and I've worked on a lot of films and TV and theater. And I've been around a long time. Um, I think the best work I've been able to do has been really with him mm-hmm. on his films. And that's been the last, I don't know, since I met him. So I feel like a destiny or whatever's happened to me, I was very lucky. You know, people say, oh, you know, things change. And, and I just was so fortunate that I shifted gears and started to work with him later in my career and he does everyone working with him there's something magical about him it's not always easy it's you know he's never mean he's never not nice um even when he's impatient which we all can be if he's impatient i know he's impatient i know when not to bother him i know when he doesn't want to talk about something but i also know what he doesn't like and that's really an amazing thing to know about someone because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. you know when you know somebody like you can be quiet with someone in a room mm-hmm. or you can be with a good friend and you can sit together and not say anything mm-hmm. I love that about him and with his kids and his wife because I know the kids now and I saw them last night that's kind of like you you and you I mean it, <laughs> they're just part of it yeah and he's been very good to me and very good to all of us actually because he directed every department of our film wow 
Mm-hmm. So I, I, I would do anything really for him mm-hmm. and he would for, for me. But I realized that um, there's a lot of great directors out there and I would love to work with. But the thing about him is that he, he was so proud of all of us in the film. And it's, a, it's an artisan's film and we made the film, but we made his dream come true. And that is something really incredible to help someone do that. And I think he's very appreciative and he loves us for that. And and I I just appreciate that he's been very loyal to, to me. Wow. That's really cool. So are y'all ramping up for Dune 2 now or what's on your schedule? I mean, I'm, I'm sort of making crazy notes here. I'm starting to a little bit and it's a little bit terrifying, you know, it's, um, but we're getting ready. Yeah, I'm getting ready. It'll be a huge adventure. Yeah, that's what's next on your plate. Anything else on your plate? No, well, I just finished the Guy Ritchie film called The Interpreter, and then Moon Knight's coming out. I've had a big, a big couple of years. Moon Knight's, um, I just saw that's coming out in a couple of days, isn't it? Yeah, it's March 30th. Yeah, that's in two days. I saw yeah. it last week. That was a big. Hey, what did you think? Just when you saw it, how did you feel about it? I'll be completely honest with you. I was pleasantly surprised. Oh, good. I, not, I mean, it's a terrible thing to say. Not that I, I mean, it's not my world. Yeah. So I was a little bit, how will this be? Because a couple <laughs> people said Moon Knight and I'm like, really? Um, I, I, but I'm not, I'm the worst. I, I hate watching things I worked on. Oh, I yeah. love seeing his work. I love praising other people, but I can't, and looking at my own, I thought it was really good. I thought Oscar Isaac was great as Moon Knight. I love Mae Kalamawe. Uh, we had wonderful directors. It was a really nice, pro- it was a nice project. It's a new thing for me. Yeah. So mm-hmm. I think, you know, that thing when something's not in your wheelhouse, but I, I enjoyed it. And Marvel are very underrated people to work for. So anyone listening, um, a lot of Judge Judy's out there. Um <laughs> It wasn't so bad. It yeah, they were. It was. They were nice. You can't be. Um, you can't be not nice and work for them. That's the thing about them. Whether you like them or the product is your business. Yeah. But you can't not be nice. And I was treated incredibly well with great respect. With great respect, uh, because I don't work in, in in TV. I haven't worked in TV really very much. And we had a very nice cast and they gave me everything I wanted and my crew. And also for me to be able to hire new people and aspiring. And when people let me do that, I, I, I think it's really good. Yeah. That's awesome. And I like what you said. I think the process of being creative, you need to feel uncomfortable. You can't, you can't always feel comfortable in what you're doing because you won't, you won't take yourself to places that you would go if you feel comfortable with what you're doing, Mm -hmm. you know? Well, I, th- I think so. I mean, it's terrifying. I mean, Dune, yeah. the, the next one is terrifying. Mm-hmm. But people have expectation. And I think when you're nervous and you go, oh, um, I do feel a bit sick uh, about all of it. Um, but Denis taught me that on Blade Runner because Blade Runner 2049, I think I even said to him, why am I doing Like, why did you ask me to do this? Um, and he was like, we're all nervous. You know, and I think that's the thing is it's okay to be nervous. It's okay for everybody, no matter what you do yeah. for everyone out there. It's, it's okay. I tell students that all the time. It's okay to be scared. I think it's pretty good actually to be, yeah. to feel that way. Mm-hmm. That's true. That's awesome. Well, Donald, we 
day after the Oscars. Why are you sitting here with us? We don't know. We appreciate it so I, much. Kindred spirit on the whole hair and and makeup situation. I loved being able to dig a little deeper there. I've never talked to anybody that's been able to be in your shoes. So I appreciate the insight and we appreciate you taking time to talk with us today. You've been Thank a wealth of knowledge. You're he's art history major and yeah, you're, and you're just, an art you're, I'm and, loving the hair part. Yeah. I mean, together we are one person. <laughs> <laughs> so we love hearing everything you had Thank to tell you us. so much. Well, it's great. You're doing this. I mean, we need more of it, right? Yeah, absolutely. We absolutely. need more, more. And what other people do you have on are mostly in the world of hair makeup or do you have all kinds of people? It's on? all kinds. We've had, we've had three Olympians, three on. Olympians on. Yeah. We've yeah, had we've, sports from sports to museum, you know, people that run museums, you know, all, we're kind of just family friendly all the way around. And it's really, we want to build community and just be able to talk about, like we've talked about, just be able to talk about things and learn about new people and new adventures. Yeah. That's really fantastic. But that's incredible because that's what people want. Mm-hmm. And that has to come from outside and within community. And that's really what's missing. I think that's what's missing now. We used to have that a lot more, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's true. Because it was less corporate that. Right. Yeah. Well, we thank you for stepping into our community for, for a short My period. Absolute pleasure. My absolute <laughs> pleasure. Scott. Yes, ma'am. Do you remember we used to watch that show Face Off? Yeah, on the Sci-Fi Network. Yes, that's yeah. a lot of things he was talking about was reminding me of that and watching that show, how they did the prosthetics and stuff. Like, yeah, they would be given a task and like you'd be a fairy godmother right. from... Whatever world. Yeah. And you had to create it. And you had like, they had two days, to cre- two or three days to create these things. Yeah. And we love that show. We yeah, love the creativity of that. Uh-huh. What's interesting about what um, Donald does is I didn't realize there were so many steps before it got to him. Right. So there is, he is in his own creative process, but lots of creative processes have happened before it even gets to him with the people doing the boards and all the storybook Bibles and things that he was talking about. Yeah. Like there's a lot that leads up to that. In essence, like what you do for your job where you're, you know, you feel like you're creative, but there's more people that are saying how you get to be creative within these confines. Right. And it's like, you have to, you have to be stern and, in your vision of what you want, but you have to also acquiesce. Mm -hmm, Yeah. mm -hmm. Especially with the big time director. Right. But even within all the departments, you've got to go, this is my vision, but how's it going to work with your vision? vision, Yeah. So it's really a lot about teamwork. Yeah. It's just, he was fascinating. Incredible conversation. I love the conversation. Yeah. It was like face off on steroids. (laughs) For sure. (laughs) Right. So we hope you enjoyed that conversation with Donald as much as we did. I mean, we've never had an Oscar nominee on our show before. So that's pretty cool. (laughs) Yeah. I'd have to say so. Yes. If you haven't already, like and subscribe to Hardy Party Five and a Half and then leave us a, a comment. Leave us a, a five star rating if you want. And if you don't want, then don't do any rating because we only want five star. <laughs> Just kidding. Um, anyways, and some kind of review would be great too. So we hope you enjoyed this time with Donald and Scott and Rebecca. Hardy Party Five and a Half over now. We'll see you next time. 